You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. Well, as, as Pastor Christina said, we are focusing on uh, every person that does something um, in C3 Victory. Uh, whether it is this service, um, Northwest Campus is, is doing the same thing this morning, or whether you put your hand up to make sure an initiative runs at the, the Victory Centre. Uh, today is about every volunteer. Uh, and we want to celebrate everything that you do. We want to celebrate you uh, on behalf of all the pastoral staff and our senior ministers, Pastor Keith and Janet, who are, uh, Pastor Keith is ministering in Northwest this morning, but we want to say thank you. Uh, We want to say thank you for all that you do, uh, for the time that you sacrifice, uh, for the energy that you sow into all that God is doing uh, in and through our church, whether it's a Sunday, a midweek, the whole thing, we want to say thank you. Uh, so maybe just before we begin, if you're on staff, maybe quickly we can stand up. We're going to give our volunteers a round of applause from the staff here this morning. So this is from us to you. Thank you. But we do want to take an opportunity, uh, and we do this every year, to honour a couple of people Um, And we are going to do that now. We're going to read out a little something special that we've written about some of the things that they do. um, And just take, I guess, five minutes in our our service to really honour the the, the heart of service that we have in our community. Uh, And I'm actually going to hand over to my amazing wife to kick this off. Doesn't she look amazing? Come on. You know what I was thinking? I hope I can read this because... You know when you're sleep deprived, things are a bit blurry? So I might, yeah, anyway. You can enlarge it. Pray for me, guys. Here we go. <laughs> you never know what you might get. We need to get like the magnified yeah, fil- yeah. filter on the... Yeah. Look, t- days like today, we, we want to recognise every volunteer. And you may not even know some of the people that are being recognised today because they're not up front. They're not on the platform. Um, but we see you and we want to thank you this morning. So the first person is receiving our Young Volunteer of the Year Award. And today we celebrate and honour an amazing and joyful young woman in C3 Victory. She puts her whole heart into building C3 Victory and into our youth ministry and leads our Alive Sundays department with confidence and boldness. She's a part of the Alive Youth Core team and also volunteers her time on a Wednesday in the youth office. Not only this, but she will put her hand up to help in any capacity wherever needed. I can testify to that personally. She gives people lifts, makes pastoral care phone calls and loves the people around her. Her heart and her life are a great testimony to Jesus. So would you join with me as we celebrate Sinead Stanecki? Yeah! (laughs) Come on down, girlfriend. Oh, there he is. Let's, let's come here. Come, I'll, I'll go this side. Okay. Let's look at Chris. Did you get my good side? Awesome. 
Thank you, Sinead. Thanks, Sinead. Amazing. Love watching the next generation. She even helps me, like, set up playgroup when she's there for Ush. That's awesome. Yeah. Don't to... say that because she's employed by Ush. No, before she starts. It's all right. So, one of the things that I, I love is watching the next generation rise up. And we have some incredible uh, young adults and teenagers in this house. And uh, make sure that you champion them. Uh, make sure that you believe in them, encourage them, speak purpose and value over their life. We live in an age where, where that's not often spoken over teenagers and young adults. I'm telling you, in the house of God, there is purpose in every generation. Um, so we honour Shanae as our young achiever. But then there's those that have been around for 10 years plus serving in their house. Uh, and we acknowledge uh, these people as lifetime achievers in victory. Uh, and we've actually awarding two Lifetime Achievement Awards this morning. Uh, the first one that we would like to award uh, goes to a person who's been a faithful part of Victory for over 19 years, uh, which is longer than I've been a part of this church, uh, and I think that's incredible. He has served in so many capacities over the years that uh, actually we kind of lost count as we were kind of listing them. We're like, well, this is almost every single area in the church. Uh, he's been on mission trips, served as a youth leader, he's been part of the car park team, the bump-in team. Who remembers the bump-in team at Reading? I still celebrate you guys. It was like a 5 a.m. start at a shopping centre. That should never happen. Uh, in more recent days, he's also started serving in Alive Sundays. Uh, he not only serves in teams, but he also serves at every event, making things for church behind the scenes, often at very short notice. Uh, and he serves others both in and outside the church with a heart of devotion to God and the people around him. He will always look for ways to be of assistance. Uh, he has a heart that is for God and he is incredibly humble, humble and very generous in every way. Uh, if you could stand and celebrate today, congratulations, Benny Baker. Come on. Fantastic. Absolute champion, seriously. Legend. Let me borrow his truck the other day and drive it around. What a guy. He even helped set up for events this morning. Hung the lights. Yeah, hanging the lights here this morning. Built our amazing uh, cityscape on Father's Day. I think it was awesome. There's anyway. probably not much he can't do. Apparently, yeah. yeah. He's pretty good. Ben the Builder. Crush. Can he... Okay, thanks for that. Oh, I miss you guys. <laughs> All right, next Lifetime Achiever. This amazing woman has been serving on an involved team forever, like literally forever. We actually can't work out how long it's been because we can't remember a time when she's not been on team. She's one of the quiet achievers. She's a dedicated team member and always seeks to be like Jesus in her serving on team. She's willing to step up and lead a team when the leader is away. She's a great example to others as she works faithfully and quietly in the background and through her thorough approach to involve team responsibilities and being a faithful part of our Victory family. Her reliable character and willing servant heart are a real blessing to the pastoral, pastoral staff and all our church family. 
Congratulations to Jenny Sumner. Come on down, Jenny. There she is. Beautiful Jenny. Amazing. Love celebrating people that have just been consistent year after year, sowing into the house of God uh, with their time. The last award today is where we uh, celebrate the person that we name Volunteer of the Year. Uh, and this is, this is a significant award, um, celebrating someone that uh, has really gone above and beyond um, in, in the year in serving this house. And in, in 2020, I want to speak a little bit about, sorry, well, we're not there yet. I'm already living a year in advance, there you go. But 2019, let's live today first. I want to speak a little bit about this person. They've been a part of Victory for many years um, and they've always been a very willing volunteer when asked uh, to join the Involved team. Uh, she's been very quiet and unassuming, reliable, faithful, conscientious, committed team member who can be counted on always. Her organisational skills are very evident and she has in recent years become the leader of an involved team. Her godly character, her gracious spirit, her I can do it attitude and compassionate nature are so appreciated uh, by the pastoral staff and her involved team are indeed the whole church. Her willingness to go the extra mile to facilitate services and the care of the church people is a true blessing to us all. She's committed to Jesus and her own growth and development, and we are excited about what the future holds for her. If we could be upstanding this morning, we would like to celebrate our Volunteer of the Year for 2019, Darian Staines. Where are you, Darian? Congratulations. Amazing, amazing group of people, and um, who will it be next year? I don't know who will it be next Ooh. year. Very exciting, very exciting. Might be me. Eight. <laughs> I'm on. My, yeah. Okay. I think I think in kind of closing out this section a little bit um, before we move on, I guess I'll, I want to say that it, it's actually such an incredible privilege. I mean, we get to stand up here and talk about some amazing people, but I want to talk about the heart that this church has. And not everyone gets to come up here and receive an award, but, but what we experience every day is that what is at the, the very centre of this church community is, is a heart to serve. It's a heart 
that, that would say, you know what, I am, I am in for the Kingdom of God. And it is a huge privilege for Rach and I to lead a community where that is at the heartbeat, where that is at the centre. And I know that uh, when that's there, uh, God has incredible things planned. And uh, so I want to say thank you for fostering that as an incredible culture in our church. I want to thank you for every person uh, that puts their hand up from the smallest thing to the most significant thing. Uh, without you and without that heart and without that desire to be a part of what it is that God is doing, uh, we wouldn't have this. We wouldn't have this gathering. We wouldn't have the impact that it has in the community and in the lives of those um, who, are, who are incredibly impacted by this church community. I look around and for many of you, you have been here longer than Rach and I, uh, but the impact of your serving is lives like mine and Rachel's. That is the impact of the heart of this house. Uh, I, I remember walking into Victory and feeling so accepted by and welcomed by the volunteer team. Uh, and, and you know, that has not changed. We're such an incredibly welcoming, loving, accepting church. And I wanna thank you because that comes from you guys. That comes because you embody that each and every time. You, you move, you serve, you do whatever it is that you do. So thank you from Rach and I. And um, I'm just going to quickly check and see if there's anything else we're supposed to do before we, we hand back. No, I'm getting the nod. We're good. I'm going to hand back to Pastor Christina. Fantastic. I want to welcome all of our visitors. I know that uh, you were welcomed earlier by Pastor Christina, but I just want to say thanks for being here. Uh, my name's Nate, and I'm the lead pastor here, along with my wife, Rach, and uh, we get the privilege of leading C3 Victory uh, in all of its facets underneath our amazing senior ministers, Pastor Keith and Janet. Um, Pastor Keith is ministering at Northwest, as I said earlier, but Pastor Janet is actually, uh, she's over in America. Uh, she is over there uh, just helping to be with the family while they're going through a bit of a difficult time with Pastor Janet's mum. Uh, and I was wondering maybe if we could just take a moment just to pray uh, for our senior ministers. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, that would be awesome. Father, I thank you so much uh, for Pastor Keith and Janet. I thank you for all that they have given uh, for your kingdom, for this house. And uh, Lord, I just pray that in this season, uh, you would be with them uh, in a really tangible way. God, that they would know your peace and comfort and your wisdom. Uh, that they would just know how to navigate this season uh, and stay in step with your spirit. Pray that you'd give them fresh life and energy. In Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Fantastic. We're in for a good morning. I feel like I've got a great word from God for you this morning, and uh, we're going to have some fun, if that's all right. Um, we're going to keep the celebration going. Just because you've sat down doesn't mean that the party needs to stop. You can have a little party in your chair. And if you've got a Bible with you this morning, uh, which I would recommend bringing to church, I know that we do have it on the screen, and we like to do that for our visitors so that you can follow along and, and things like that. But I find there's real benefit in bringing a Bible to church. Um, I find that God will speak to me through the message, but often God will also speak to me out of the verse or, or the chapter right around the message. So as I like just peruse a little bit of what the preacher is talking about, I'll, I'll often find myself getting some revelation of, of something else that is right next to it. And we should never box in when God is going to speak to us. And I wonder, what, is, what does it look like for you to be prepared for God to speak to you? It's totally not even my message this morning, but I just thought, wow, what does it look like for us as a community to, to come prepared for God to speak to us? 
Are we a community that just hears it and says, oh, that's great, and then walks out and totally forgets about it because we haven't put it anywhere? Or are we a community that values so much when God speaks to us that we want to make sure we get it down somewhere so that when we walk out of here and, and, and the worries of this life try to steal away the Word of God from our life, we've got it. We've got it secure. We're like, no, no, I put that down in my phone or I, I wrote that down in my Bible or I put that on my notepad so that, so that on Monday morning when I wake up and I'm, I'm stressing about the week ahead, I'm like, oh, wait, God said something to me in church. What was that? Oh, that's right. Here it is. What does it look like for us to be prepared for God to speak to us? I believe He's going to speak out of Mark 10 this morning. Uh, and if you do have an analog Bible, um, flick to it. If you have a digital Bible, you can just tap your screen a little bit. Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I think this is one of the funniest passages of Scripture. Um, there's some great humor in the Bible. Whoever told you the Bible's boring, they're boring. Um, the Bible is not boring. The Bible is very funny. And uh, this is one of those moments. Mark 10, starting at verse 35. It says, then Jesus, no it didn't, it says, then James, let's uh, just get the words right, people. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came over and spoke to him, spoke to Jesus, that is. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. It's a bold statement to say to Jesus, right? What is your request, he asked. I love that he doesn't, like, shut them down, all right? Like, when we come to God, he's not going to shut us down. Uh, we can come to God with our requests. We can come to God with our, with, with, with our all, with everything that's going on in our life. We can come to him. He's not going to shut you down. Um, what is your request, he asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. At least they had boldness. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Have you ever had one of those situations where someone asks you something and it's like, oh, you have no idea what you're asking? I'm sure Jesus got that heaps. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering that I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Wow, that was not as funny as I was expecting. It's interesting. I think in, in our modern take on church, we so celebrate all that God is able to do that sometimes we're at risk of removing um, the purpose of suffering from the plan of God. We, we, we need to be careful that we don't bring a, a gospel and we don't bring a, a relationship with God and we don't bring a, a, a journey with God that is void of any difficulty. Uh, because if we do, we need to go to the majority of the gospels and we need to take them out of our Bible. Because freedom was bought with the price of suffering. Forgiveness was bought with the price of suffering. If we can't, in some level of maturity, create space in our understanding of how God works and what He is able to work through, if we can't enable an element of suffering to be in there and when it comes into our lives, go, you know what, God, I believe you're working through this. This hasn't surprised you. You have a plan inside of this suffering. If, 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 if suffering moves us away from God because we don't think that suffering has anything to do with the plan of God, we are at risk of removing the cross from the kingdom of God. And I hope that this is not a downer, but an encouragement that if there is some aspect of suffering in your life, it is not because God is, is out of your life. Maybe God is working something through your life. 
You know, we read Psalms that, that talk about going through the valley of Baca, going through the valley of the shadow of death. Jesus went through the valley of the Garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross. That, scripture is not void of difficulty. Scripture is not void of suffering. God is able to take suffering and give it a purpose in our life. And it doesn't mean that we need to enjoy it. It doesn't mean that we need to celebrate it. Although James has a little bit of a, a, a sadistic view on suffering. We'll get onto that next year. But but I want to encourage you, if you are going through a season in, in your life right now, maybe it's been all year and it's been tough, I want to encourage you, God is with you in it and he is working something through it. And then he goes on in verse 40 to say, but I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. I, can, I just get this picture of how this would have gone down. It would have been so funny. So Jesus called them together and said, You know what the rulers in this world lord over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be a servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everybody else. It's a great passage of Scripture. Let's just pray for a moment. Father, I just pray right now that you'd speak so clearly today through your word. God, I pray you'd make it real to us. You show us how to apply it. Show us how to make it a part of our life. God, this morning, I pray you'd take us just one tiny, small step closer to being like you, uh, able to express you. I pray that your word this morning would bring life and hope and faith and joy into people's lives. Um, God, I want to thank you too for uh, the way the Jets played. Come on. This year is our year. Uh, I declare it. Believe it. Thank you for your favor on it. And everybody said, amen. amen, amen. We are moving up the table, guys. This is fantastic. It is good. You know, I don't know about you, but um, have you ever done something with the wrong motive? Have you ever done something with the wrong motive? Yeah, a couple of people. A couple of people, everyone else is too shy to say yes because they did it with the wrong motive of the person next to them. And they're like, oh, if I say that too loud, they're going to know. Um, I want to tell you about our little boy at the moment, Addy. Um, he's amazing, and he's so much like me, it scares me. But, you know, we are, we're, we're trying at the moment to implement a, a, a jobs chart in the morning, right? Who's been there as a parent where it's like, if I could just get you to a place where you could get some of yourself ready, that would alleviate an amazing amount of pressure from my morning, and then we might actually make it uh, to, 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 to preschool without uh, the frustration uh, exploding from my ears. Um, it would be fantastic. So we have this chart, and, and Addy has like five jobs to do in the morning. Right? He has to get himself out of bed, which is one of the more difficult ones. Um, he needs to put his pyjamas under his pillow. He needs to, to get dressed. He needs to get his preschool bag, put a drink bottle in it, and, and he needs to brush his teeth and put his socks and shoes on. Right? That is his list. And it is, I know, it's incredibly difficult. Um, but he's an advanced child. I like to, I like to think that, right? Every parent thinks their child is advanced. Um, and and we, we, like, we printed out these little pictures and they're on our fridge and he like, gets these magnets. When he's done one, he gets to put a magnet on it. And, um, and we're just moving into the season of life where he is starting to talk about pocket money. Who's been there? <laughs> right? I was at our, our um, 
our, our lunch gathering as a community the other day and, and I was just like, uh, Pastor Jez and Christy Faye were talking about pocket money and I'm just listening. I'm like, you guys are like five years ahead of me. I want to hear what works. And uh, it was great. He picked up some great wisdom. Um, but what we're trying to do is we're trying to be like, look, you don't just get paid for nothing, buddy. Okay. Uh, there, there's some jobs. There's some, you know, uh, trying to trying to instill in him a bit of a work ethic. Uh, but the only thing that we really have that he can do at the moment is his chart, right? So we're trying to use his chart like, hey, if you do your whole chart, you, you can get a little bit of pocket money for that day. And then at the end of the week, uh, you know, we've got we've to like go somewhere and get coins because nobody carries cash anymore. So I, I don't know, we're going to start buying like a little square for our children so we can tap pocket money. Um, <laughs> Yeah, let me, let me know if that works. Anyone who's tried it, a little like tap and go, pocket money. Cash is better. All right, I'll, I'll try to source dollar coins from somewhere. Um, anyway, what I've noticed is that now Addison is, is kind of only doing his chart for money. So, so, so now it's like, well, I'm only going to get myself dressed if I get pocket money. And it's like, no, 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 that's the wrong motive. That's not, the, that's not what we wanted. We wanted you to like, do the job because you needed to be dressed to go to preschool. Nudity isn't looked upon very, very you know, uh, encouragingly in a school setting, so we need you to get dressed. But now because we've attached pocket money to it, he's kind of he's doing things for all the wrong motive. Um, but you know, it's, it's, we'll work at that. But what I recognize is that actually that's a super common trait uh, and a super common trait in his dad. Unfortunately, one of the, the great things that he's got from me, uh, there are many great things, uh, that is one of them. But you know, I was reflecting and I realized that there was a time in my life where I was super driven by, by this phrase, what will I get out of it? What will I get out of it? That was like, that was like my standard response. Or, or this was the, the tweak that I used to put on, what will it do for me? And, and I used to say that, all the time. Like it wasn't like I had an issue with doing something. I just wanted to make sure that what I did had benefit for me. And if it didn't, well, I probably wasn't really going to do it. Uh, or if I did, I was going to do it with like a sulky attitude. Like, well, it's not doing anything for me. So why should I do it? And why should I do it well? Right? Like what's the worth of doing something well if it's not going to come back on me? Um, and my approach to opportunities was always dictated by my gain. I don't know if you can relate to this in your life, uh, maturing through that and recognizing the value of doing things for the, for the benefit of other people, right? That was, a, that was a bit of a learning curve for me. Maybe not for you guys. Uh, you had that at a young age when you did your chart for something other than pocket money. Anyway, it's, it's, this, it's this approach that we see in this, in this passage in Scripture. We see James and, uh, and John functioning in the, well, what will I get out of it mindset. And that's why I find it quite humorous because they're like, they're like sidling up to Jesus. You know, actually, it's funny because in other passages, in, in, in Matthew, where he records the same. I think, I think when you, as a side note, when you, when you read the Bible and you realize that the same story is recorded in different gospels, it's so funny to look at which author puts what in. Right, like in the garden where, where Peter pulls out his sword and, and cuts the ear off, right? When in, in, in the gospel that, that we would say is mostly Peter's account of things, although it's not named his gospel, his name's not named in that section. It's only John that says, oh, it was Peter that did that. And you see like a little bit of banter between the disciples. I love it. This, we see this in this particular story because in Matthew, right, Mark tells us, oh, James and John asked Jesus. Matthew says, actually, it was their mum. 
right? Like Matthew's like, guys, don't, don't try to just like side away from the fact that your mum asked Jesus for a favour, right? Like, let's put some context on this. Jesus is about 33 years old. They're in their early 20s. Mum's still in the game. I don't know what's going on. It's like, mum, back out, all right? I'm 20 now. I'm going to try to find my own way in life. And mum's like, so I got this. I'm going to talk to Jesus. I'll hook you up, right? I'm going to get you the good seat, mainly because I think mum wants her son to have the good seat. So mum has something to talk about with her friends. Like, hey, my boy's got the right and the left, yeah. Uh, No mums would do that in here though, right? Anyway. We shouldn't, we shouldn't get um, too down on, on James and John. They're, they're trying to cash in on, on walking with Jesus for a few years, right? Like they've been through a little bit with him, a little bit of, a little bit of persecution from the Pharisees, questioning what are they doing, uh, you know, not having a home to live in, like foxes have holes and, and uh, rabbits have holes and foxes have dens, but, you know, the man of God's got nowhere to lay his head. And, and they're like, Jesus, where are we camping tonight? And he's like, oh, I don't know. Um, they've been through three years of walking with Jesus, and, and they're like, hey, it's probably time. Mum's looking on going, yeah, it's probably time you got a raise over there, I think. Like, you should go and, and if you don't, I'm going to go to your boss for you. I'm going to help you out. I'm going to talk to your boss so you can get a raise. And some of you need to say, you know what, Mum, stay out of it. I need to take responsibility for my life right now. Um, anyway, we shouldn't be down on them because at the end of the day, they're just, they're just expressing natural human nature. Right, as human beings, um, we, we've got a nature that's that's the, the scripture would say is fallen. It means we operate in particular ways that aren't always in line with God. Now, as Christians, as people who have believed what Jesus did on the cross when He died, was buried, and rose again, as as people who believe that, we're in the great position that we have two kind of natures. We have the old human nature that is dead, and we're under no obligation to 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 do life according to that old nature. We now have a new nature which is pure and perfect, and we can learn to live life according to that nature, right? So we need to be careful when we talk about our nature because actually the nature that we've received from Christ is a perfect nature. But James and John right now, they're in kind of the old human nature, which is fallen. And, and they're, they're just expressing that. Well, what have I done? I've totally lost my notes. It's going to be a fun message. Ah, uh, they're back. We do... For what we get. As human beings, so often we are driven by accolade, achievement, and acknowledgement. Right? Like we want to be known. Notoriety, such a driving force in human nature. We want to be rewarded. We want to be seen. We want to be heard. We want to be acknowledged. Like if we do something, I, I want to be acknowledged. I want, to, I want people to know I was involved. I did that. And this is what James and John are asking for, right? They're trying to secure their notoriety. They're trying to make sure that, that people know, oh, we were involved in this. So people are going to look on and see us sitting there and there, and they're going to know, oh, these guys are kind of a big deal, right? Like, people know me. And I love Jesus' response because he just so subtly adjusts mindsets, Sometimes not so subtly. It shifts us from a culturally humanistic one uh, to a mindset and a thought pattern that is more in line with, with kingdom principles. Where, where he would say, you know, the first shall be last. Where to achieve was actually to lay down. 
when success looks like faithfulness and often sacrifice, where security looks like trust and maturity looks like simplicity. The kingdom of God has this kind of upside down, backwards set of principles. And if we're not careful, uh, we naturally lean into the inclinations of our old nature and we start to get out of step with the way we, that the kingdom of God would approach things. Um, and, and, and that's why we have the Holy Spirit, so that he can subtly adjust us and remind, hey, hey, that's, that's not how we do things anymore. You're born again. You have a new nature. You do things differently now. You do, things, you do things according to a different reason now. And Jesus' response is trying to help them see that the reward in the kingdom is often not attained the way that we think. And the others, I just imagine the others' response, uh, like later on. Like, have you ever been in a, in, a, in a group where like someone has done something and you're just like, are you serious? Did, did you actually just do that? It's like the disciples later, they're like sitting around in their little cushion huddle, eating some hummus and some pita bread. And, and I imagine James and John having to sit in that circle and they're just looking on going, really, mum? Really? Oh, your mum? Your mum did that? Okay. Oh, good work, buddy. Because the disciples aren't perfect. Uh, they definitely would have given James and John a hard time, right? It's like... Imagine the faces. It says that they were indignant. They overheard James and John asking for a reward, like as if they were maybe the only ones that had done the hard yards with Jesus, looking on as if like, who are you? Who are you to ask for that? How often do we sometimes slip into a perception of looking at people and going, well, who are you to receive the blessing of God? We, just, we need to be careful because the Scripture would tell us that it's not even Jesus' choice who gets honoured and who gets blessed. This is that God chooses. God will choose. And I think sometimes we, we see what other people do and we get a little bit of indignation about us. And we're like, oh, who are you? I know your life. I know what you did last summer. Oh, you guys, come on, warm up this morning. And so Jesus brings them together. <laughs> I imagine Peter the most, like the one that just runs his mouth. He definitely would have said something. That Jesus brings them together and he calms the situation and he just says, hey guys, hey, just chill, 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 chill. Let me, let me just remind you about what it's like in the kingdom. Let me remind you about what it looks like in the kingdom. He says, you know, rulers in this world lord it over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it will be different. Among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone. Jesus adjusted their thinking away from chasing after accolade and notoriety and renown like we so often do in this life to evaluating the value of serving. He elevated that to the highest level. He made serving go from something that the disciples seemed worth less to worth most. And he highlighted the significance of serving as actually a central kingdom principle. Serving is to love. Serving is to put others before ourselves. Serving is to sacrifice. Serving is obedience. Serving is to lead. Serving is to pursue a kingdom stance. Serving acts to lift up others. Serving acts to extend the kingdom. Serving acts to bestow honour. Serving acts to lay down our own agenda. Serving acts to lay down our selfish ambitions. 
To serve is to pursue kingdom purpose. To serve is to submit. To serve is to obey. And most of all, to serve is to be like Christ. John 13 shows us how Christ embodied this principle that he actually taught his disciples. John 13, 1 to 5, it says, Before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to his Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. It was time for supper, and the devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything, and that he had come from God and would turn, return to God. And so what did he do with the knowledge of his supreme authority? Well, he did exactly what he told the disciples that in the kingdom of God, people with authority should do. They should serve. That to lead is to serve. And so he got up from the table. He took off his robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist. And he, he did the lowest servant task of that time for his disciples, demonstrating that it Actually, because I have all authority, I'm actually, I'm actually called to serve all of you. And he washed their feet, drying them with the towel that he had around them. The greater the authority, the greater the expectation of sacrifice, of service, of laying down personal agendas for those of the kingdom. You know, we don't outgrow serving. We don't suddenly graduate to a level in our Christianity where we don't serve. We don't get to a level of leadership where we don't serve. That's something to remember when we go into the business world because it's not something that is often seen in that, in that environment in today's day and age. But actually we're positioned perfectly to express the kingdom by our approach. And as we raise up ourselves up the ladder, we climb the ladder, God, God might elevate you for the purpose of demonstrating his kingdom principle that as I get authority, actually I know that I'm there to serve you. And most clearly what we see is this act on the cross. The greatest act of service. The reality of its significance seen in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus laid down his entire will for the will of the Father. And if you read that passage, it's so clear. There's this wrestle. Jesus is like, oh God, I don't, I don't want to do this. I don't want to drink this cup. I don't want, I don't want to go through this pain. But, and, and here comes the language of serving but not your will. Not, sorry, not my will, but yours. That would not be the language of serving to say, no, no, not, my, not your will. I don't want to do what you want to do. Not my will, but yours. So today, I want to celebrate everyone who serves in this house. Everyone who volunteers, everyone who sacrifices, because you are extending the kingdom. You are showing love. You are operating in the principles of the kingdom of God. And at the end of the day, you are being like Christ. You are functioning in the very end goal that we are all moving towards to be transformed, to be like Christ. And when you say, yes, I'll serve, I'll give up time, I'll give up energy, I'll put myself out there, I will do that. You are acting like Christ did. And as a pastor in this place, that is the greatest thing to observe when someone operates in a space where they are representing the likeness of Christ. It's like, man, I see the kingdom of God. 
Oh, I see it. I see it right there. When you do that, I see the kingdom of God. And when people come into this place, they see the kingdom of God. It's expressed when we serve. It's seen when we serve. It's encountered when we serve. When you welcome someone, when you encourage someone, when you're there for someone, when you go out of your way to do something for someone, when you put on something at the center for someone whose life is in, is in a mess to come in and, and have it restored in some way. When you do that, what is experienced and seen is the kingdom of God. <coughs> Excuse me. Many of you, the true extent of what you do may not be known by many, but it is by God. You may never have your name in lights or get earthly accolades and achievements. And we may never be famous in the eyes of the world, but we will be significant in the kingdom of God. And we need to adjust sometimes our priority in our the way in which we evaluate what it is that we approach in our life. Serving is such a clash against the striving that we're so used to in this world. Striving for position, for power, for title, for renown, just like James and John. How many of us are striving to sit in a position of honour in our life, whatever it might look like? Striving to be known, striving to have notoriety, striving for something that God says, you know what, you just don't need it in your life. Now, I want to finish with this, this quote. It's from one of my favorite books. It's written by Erwin McManus, and it says this about the kingdom of God. Would you be willing to give your life to save the world if no one ever knew your name? If anonymity was the price you would have to pay for significance, would it be too great a price? To live a life of courage is not a guarantee of prestige or adulation. It only matters if you live and die, fulfilling the mission that you were born for. Now, I want to remind you what our mission is. Our mission is the kingdom of God, to see it extended on this planet in our time, to see his church be a light on the hill, to see it be a place of hope and joy for those that are lost. Our purpose is to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. That is our mission. So here is to every one of you who have made that choice. Every one of you who have said, you know what, I don't need to be known. I'm willing to put my hand up if nothing is ever seen of what, I'm, what I do. I'm willing to go out of my way to make something happen even if no one ever knows that I made it happen. This is to all of you who serve, all of you who have accepted the offer of an eternal reward, potentially over a temporal one. We celebrate you today and we thank you. We honour you and we applaud you. You are extending the kingdom of God. Never underestimate the value of your serving. Never underestimate its significance. Never underestimate the small thing that you might think is insignificant. I'm telling you, it's about the kingdom of God. Everything we do in service is about the kingdom of God. Everything we do is an opportunity for it to be seen, it to be experienced, and it to be known by someone else. So thank you. Thank you. On behalf of all of the staff, thank you. And now I want to give an opportunity for two things. Firstly, for anyone who's here today, and, and you've never had, never begun a relationship with Jesus. You know, as, as believers, we believe that God is real. We believe that His Son, Jesus, 
came to earth. We believe that He died on a cross, that He was buried, but on the third day, God raised Him from the dead. And we believe that because of that, anything that would separate us from God has been wiped away when we believe in Jesus and what He did. And because it's all been wiped away, we can have an intimate, personal relationship with Jesus and with God. And I want to give you an invitation this morning, if that's something that you would like, even if you have questions about that, I would love to speak to you after the service. I'll be down the front. But maybe God's speaking to you this morning. God's speaking to you about something that He would love for you to do, an area of serving. Maybe you're feeling a bit challenged about what you've been striving for. What's been driving your decisions, what's been driving the things that you're kind of clasping for, grasping for in life. And you realise that actually at the end of this year, you're exhausted because you've been grasping for something that God is saying, hey, you know what? You don't need that right now. You don't need that right now. You don't need that promotion. We pray a lot about getting amazing things in our life, but sometimes we shift to a place where we're striving more for that than for the kingdom of God to be flowing out of our life. I'll just give you a moment right now to just say, hey, Lord, I just need you to adjust that in me afresh. Just alleviate the pressure I've placed on myself, striving to be known, striving for achievement and accolade and notoriety. God, I just give that back to you right now. I just just need to let that go. Help me, Father, right now. If that's you, you just do that right now between you and God. I'm just going to pray for you, Father, over every person. God, we so easily lean back into those old ways of thinking. But this morning, I want to pray. As people bring that before you, Father, I just pray that you would bring encouragement. God, that you would just begin to transform their thinking once again to be in alignment with your word, with your kingdom. God, just begin once again to help them to see the incredible value of pursuing things of your kingdom. Bless them. Father, I pray even now as the pressure just begins to lift, as they're just exhaling their spirit. God, just let them know your presence afresh. In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.